All right. In a tropical episode of Why Wait Till Sunday, I have a fellow Florida man on the line here. Uh, it's Richard Johnson of the uh, amazing new podcast or kind of new uh, Split Zone Duo. You can find that on Apple Podcasts. And it is a fantastic, hilarious, brilliant show where they just talk about fan, uh, not fancy college football, uh, pretty much every week. And it has become appointment listening for me. Um, so we're going to hit the intro and then we'll get right into it with Richard Johnson. Hello, and welcome to why wait till Sunday. I'm your host, Alfred, and I am here with a very special guest tonight. This guy's got it all. Everything you could ask for. Longhorn fans are excited about Bijan Robinson, number five. This is a guy that comes in as the number one running back recruit in the country. Elite, elite, elite. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped down. He's got tremendous upside. By Stevenson, Rattled. a little bit of pressure as he launches it downfield. Touchdown Sooners, the breakout freshman, Marvin Mims. Oh, this is so confused on defense. Lane Kiffin was trying to get a timeout. Instead, it's a first down, and it's a touchdown for defense. He's my play of the week. Smash potential here. That's what I'm saying. The royalty of college football is in assembly at the Rose Bowl 2006. All right. We've got Richard Johnson. Hey, man. Thanks for coming on to the show. Um, how are you tonight? You're in. Uh, I guess it's warm in New York these days. Yeah, it's actually nice uh, in New York these days. I'm in Brooklyn. Uh, I moved here, geez, uh, four years ago now. Um, and I, I love living here. It's finally nice out. It, it, like, people don't understand. The city gets really hot. I mean, it's, like, really, like, soupy, muggy hot. Um, but for now, it's it's still nice summer for the time being. So I'm enjoying that. I was on my stoop earlier, uh, moved in a new place May 1st. So been on my stoop and and enjoying the outdoors. I have a grill for the first time since I moved, since I lived here. Um, so I'm, I'm finally, I'm growing up a big old flank steak uh, tomorrow for some friends. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to have the summer and enjoy the off season before things kick off. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I love a good stoop sit myself as well. Um, it's certainly in the concrete and, you know, just all the buildings. I'm sure it gets just blistering uh, down on the ground level for sure in the dead of summer. So that's interesting. You live in New York because I never think of the Northeast as a college football hotbed. But oh, it's not at all. Yeah, uh, but you love, you love college football. Um, so, you know, what draws you to the the American version of college football so much that you, you know, you love, why is this the sport that you have uh, latched onto the most? Do you think? Well, I mean, honestly, like it's home to me more than anything else. Like I am, I grew up in Gainesville, Florida. I went to Florida. I, I, I you know, when I was in high school, Tim Tebow was winning Heisman's and they were winning national championships. And, and that is sort of what I was weaned on. Um, it's just, it's everything. And for me, college football reminds me of home. 
uh, more than anything else. And that's why I love it so much. Uh, that's why I gravitate towards it. I, you know, when I moved up here a few years ago, I, I, I lived in Connecticut for a year before I, before I lived here. And I, it was the first time I had ever lived outside of Gainesville. And, um, you know, it, 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 I was pretty homesick <laughs> and I, you know, college football had sort of a renewed energy for me when I left Florida and, and started to, to venture out on my own. Like New York city is, is funny because every big school sort of has its own bar. Like Florida mm -hmm. has its yeah. own bar. And, and when I have, you know, a free Saturday or whatever, like, a, and, and I can get over there to watch a game, I try to, um, you know, you see people who you went to school with who, who moved up here or whatever. Um, but it, New York has interesting pockets of its own college football culture that I've always sort of enjoyed uh, exploring a little bit. Uh, but Saturday is just another day here. Uh, Saturdays in the fall. And that is just not the way it was growing up. Uh, Saturdays were everything growing up. Uh, you know, you planned everything around Saturdays in the fall. And it, now that I work in college sports, college football, it is nice to live in a place where it's not everything. Like I'm not missing out on anything because I have to be like, like the year that Florida won uh, on the late Antonio Callaway touchdown against oh. Tennessee. Like I was working, I was at my place down the street, down 22nd street from the stadium. I could hear the stadium go nuts before it played on the TV, but I was working. See yeah. what I mean? So that's sort of the difference. But now I live in a place where, you know, I don't go to the grocery store and run into somebody's family and get asked about the Gators or get asked yeah. about Alabama or get asked about, you know, whatever. I, you know, it, it is, it is a job, but it's, it's a passion job. Um, and so it's nice sort of to, to sort of embody that and, and, and live that out. Yeah, that's really, uh, that's really good perspective, I think, because yeah, certainly, I mean, me growing up in the South as well, like, yeah, I mean, you, people don't even get married on Saturdays in the, in, right, right, in, right. In between, uh, you know, September. I actually did. I actually got married um, on Florida, Tennessee. Oh, and, no. um, you know, oh, I no. just decided to put my wife first, but it was tough. I definitely nah. got some crap about it. Fortunately, we weren't like in the best. I mean, it was like the end of like the must champ era maybe or yeah. something. So, I mean, it was like, I honestly went through a, a tough spell. Where I, I was almost rooting for us to lose because I just wanted various coaches to get fired every single year. Um, but uh, yeah, but you know, I didn't think forward enough. Like now I don't want to necessarily go on a vacation and celebrate the anniversary on Florida, Tennessee. Weekend, so. <laughs> My wife's very understanding though. She's not, uh, she's not the biggest college football fan, but she gets it. So, um, so she lets me watch Florida, Tennessee, even if we're at a hotel on like some, you know, <laughs> so let me go back and watch Florida, Tennessee. So, um, so yeah, I, I would love to get your thoughts on, you know, we do uh, on this on this pod, uh, you know, daily daily college football on Saturdays, and you know, even when we get the Thursday night max slates and things like that, I'll be running out lineups and things like that. Um, I'm a big stats guy. That's just how I digest the game. That's how I kind of see a lot of you know potential and value when I'm looking at players and stuff. I did not play beyond, if you can tell by my week, <laughs> I didn't play beyond like ninth grade. So, um, but you're an X's and O's guy. You're, you, you're a scheme guy. You know the intimate details of stuff. So like, if you apply that at all to picking matchups, I mean, scheme is matchups week to week, things like that. How do you think that could help me if I understood that more 
uh, or help people who might be listening, like pick a lineup or pick certain players. What kind of schemes work well against others? If you can give us anything like that, um, or just how do you view the game through the X's and O's? Yeah, like last year, so Mississippi State last year comes out. Mike Leach, the head coach, um, they come out and they're running the air raid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the LSU game notwithstanding, everybody played Mississippi State basically the same way. Um, and they, they basically just started dropping eight in coverage because if you if you understand sort of what the air raid is and how the air raid operates, the pure uncut air raid that Mike Leach is one of the only coaches who still runs it this way, um, he – he, he doesn't believe in coverages. Like they tell you that they're like, we don't believe in coverages. Like it doesn't matter what you do on defense because our system is predicated on grabbing grass. We are going to, our receivers are going to run to grass. We're going to throw to grass. Now, all of that is predicated on six or seven people being in on the back end of of coverage, right? It, that that's sort of the the premise behind it. Air raid people are like, yeah, blitz, hell yeah, we want you to blitz. Less people in the coverage distribution, more grass for us to grab. But what happens if you throw more people into the coverage distribution eight than they're used to? Well, if you condense the amount of grass, if there's less grass to grab, and I can't block, which Mississippi State couldn't pass block <laughs> for damn thing last year. Then what? Because Mike is not going to run the ball ever. Yeah, He's just not going to do it. It's why Kylan Hill opted out. It's like you know, Lincoln Riley will run. Uh, you know, a lot of the guy Cliff Kingsbury will run. Dana will run a little bit. A lot of the guys who have gotten off of the air raid tree get out of Mike's system. You know, Mike's clutches uh, and run the ball. Now they don't run the ball a ton. They're not triple option. But they will run it if you're going to sit here and rush three and beg me to run the ball. So if you picked up on that right around like the Arkansas game last year, a couple games in last season, you picked up on that. You can make some hay with, you know, I, I'm not a big daily fantasy guy, but if you're picking a defense or if you're, you know, whatever, uh, if you're picking defenders, like that is something that if you understand sort of the micro things that are happening within a season, you can pick up on it and you can look into it, um, it, it, it's something that can be of value uh, if, if you're that kind of person. Uh, you know, if you are a guy who's, you know, Georgia Tech was was pretty hot in the beginning of the season, uh, I think Jeff Sims is going to be pretty good, but God dog, he cannot hold on to the ball. I mean, he puts the ball in harm's way a mm. ton, put the ball in harm's way a ton last season. So if you picked up on that, like, wow, Georgia Tech throwing a lot of picks. Um, that's one thing yeah. to pick up on. I think it was one to one pick interception or to pick touchdown interception. Yeah. That is that is not, not gonna great. get it done. Yeah, I gotta get it done. Um, so yeah, I you did. Know. I played. I actually played Sims early because you know I knew about him as a recruit. I loved the dual threat, and but then I did notice that I noticed like ah man, I love the rushing, but like he cannot, he can't just keep a consistent you know drive going. He does you know, make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you're a guy like, okay, well, North Carolina hires Phil Longo. Uh, what does Phil Long, what does that system want to do? Well, they want to throw the ball all over the yard. So if you were early in the season, you sort of took a, a took a flyer on Carolina last year or even the year before that, Max first year, you know, then then you're like, okay, you're you're you pick the right horse. You sort of have to 
A, a big thing that I tell people with how they sort of evaluate their teams or looking at their teams is, uh, and coaches will tell you this, the biggest change in a team comes from week one to week two. Because mm. none of these, nobody, like you may think you know what you have in training camp or whatever. Um, and if you play one of the Sisters of the Poor, FCS, like, okay, great, you're going to win the game, whatever. But like the, your team changes from week one to week two. They, they go out week one, roll the ball out, and for the first time actually see what they have. They, they don't really know what they have. It's 18 to 22 year olds and you can script it as much as you want, but when, when the lights come on, things mm -hmm. change. Um, and so that's another thing that I tell people, I'm like, you know, if you're looking to evaluate or whatever, um, weeks two, three, four, five, that's really when you get um, a, a good baseline of what a team really is, or what a team really can be. So glad that we get Bama in those first five weeks. I guess we'll find out what the Gators have. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, so we'll find gonna, out. If you're going to face Bama, I mean, you might as well face him with like almost a brand new offense. You know, I guess. I don't even know if it'll matter, though. Yeah, get him early. Get him, uh, get him early. Get him before things have gelled. Uh, that's, yeah. That's the game plan. Maybe we can jump him. Um, all right. I want to veer real quick because sounds like you have an eye on Jeff Sims. Uh, I love Jeff Sims. I love Georgia Tech. I love what um, our former DC Jeff Collins is kind of building there. I love the vibe. I live in Atlanta now. I, I like what he's doing. I think he's kind of creating something here. Um, difficult place to do it. He's going to have to recruit against UGA uh, and Kirby Smart, but what do you give me some thoughts on Georgia Tech? I know I didn't have this on the show sheet, but if you've if you have an eye on Jeff Sims, you must have some thoughts. Yeah, I, I like what Georgia Tech is doing at thirty thousand foot level. Um, you know, it, now, now look, it takes a little bit of time to rinse the option out of your program, out of your football team. Um, Georgia Tech is a football team that really, really, really needed a full off season last year. Mm -hmm. They really needed nine months to get into the weeds and figure out what they wanted to be. Obviously they did not have that. Um, so th this year it remains to be seen what, you know, what, what leaps they can have. I do think they need to beat somebody this year. Um, they, they need to beat somebody that makes you turn your head and say, well, okay. Um, I think it can work. Uh, I, I think it will work if Jeff Collins is given enough time. But like I said, they don't beat somebody this year. I, I don't know how much time he's going to get. Hmm. You know, I don't know if people will give him a mulligan for 2020. I think Jeff Sims has a live arm and he's wildly talented, but he does not put the ball in the right place. Or hmm. I should say sometimes fails to put the ball in the right yeah. place. And some fairly catastrophic results come from that. Sure. Um, he's got to be, he's got a better decision making got to be better with the football. Um, but yeah, I look at Georgia Tech and I say, why not? Why not Georgia Tech? Why Someone else has got to figure it out in the ACC. Someone yeah, else has got to figure it out. It yeah. doesn't look like it's going to be Florida State soon. Um, Miami is Miami. So, you know, why not? Why not a North Carolina? Why not a Georgia Tech? Um, why not a Virginia? You know, one of those other teams has got to step up and, and take sort of that side of the league by the scruff of the neck. Well, I mean, yeah, you would think that Georgia Tech would be primed for it. I know they're coming out of the option, which is a whole disaster in terms of, you know, building a real program. I mean, it's kind of a Band-Aid. But, um, you know, I was talking to a guy from 24-7 Sports last week on the show, and and they, from a recruiting angle, they've actually added Georgia to kind of the big three of 
California, Texas, Florida. Oh yeah, it's it's there. It's absolutely there. It's in a hotbed state. I mean, you know, they are absolutely is. But the thing, the thing is with Georgia Tech is okay. Who are you? Well, it's not even that. It's it's who are you getting at Georgia Tech that Georgia wants? Right. At the end of the day, now are you going to finish number two in the recruiting rankings in year two, three, full cycle? Probably not. Okay, that's fair. But. Can you pip Georgia at the line on signing day for this receiver or that lineman? Like a couple and start to build something. I think Georgia Tech will benefit from Auburn um, needing to figure some things out in recruiting, uh, which is how I put that delicately. Uh, Auburn wants to recruit well in that Atlanta area. They did not do that over the last couple of years with Gus Malzahn. It's one of the reasons Gus Malzahn does not have a job right now. Hmm. Brian Harson, I would not expect Brian Harson to come in and recruit the Atlanta area, the immediate area, like gangbusters. I think they're going to take a more national approach, which makes sense given the staff that they have and the connections that they have. There's opportunity there for a Georgia Tech, um, but you have to you have to seize it. Yeah. Well, I, I'd love to see that. I've always liked their aesthetic a lot, and um, – you know, I, I'm, a, you know, anti-Georgia, so that would be great if Georgia Tech did something. Um, all right, so we got some interesting coaching changes. I think uh, I'd love to talk to you about, uh, I think this does filter down into, you know, what I'm doing with the daily fantasy stuff because I think there's some know, opportunity for some undervalued uh, kind of explosive offenses potentially. So um, I want to give you a chance to talk about your feelings on Kansas University uh, and Lance Leipold coming in from Buffalo who just ran gangbusters all over the, um, I guess they're in the MAC. They're part of yeah, MAC, Mac, I believe. Yeah, so um, ran all over the MAC. Can he run all over the Big 12 or at least a little bit over the Big 12? I mean, I think we're to find out. He's got to get the lineman in. That's you can't do what he wanted to do with the zone based running scheme without the lineman, particularly with when he wanted to get guys uh, when he wants to run sort of that inside zone stuff and he wants to be really physical and he wants to get a vertical push uh, interior offensive line. You've got to have guys who can do that. I think there's opportunity to do that, particularly with how the big 12 is, is trending towards this uh, tight front uh, three safeties high type thing. Um, I think the opportunity is there, but my question is this. You're not going to be able to just bludgeon teams like you could in the Mac. It's a different deal. Um, you know, you're going to come up against four, five, six teams that before you kick a ball, they're just better than you, right? I mean, it's just... At least you know, six. <laughs> for God's sakes, you're Kansas. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so yes, it's going to take baby steps. It's going to take time. Um, I think Lance Leipold's a really good football coach. Lance Leipold has won everywhere, everywhere he's been. And at some point in time, you got to see that good football coaches are good football coaches. And that's why I'm impressed by the fact that Kansas made the move. Um, the Les Miles thing was what it was. Um, and, it, you know, I, it was uh, uh, an attempt at a splash that did not work. Now they did the thing that may not be the sexy thing, which is hiring the guy from Buffalo who, you know, you don't have a championship or a national championship to, to his credit or what have you, like, uh, like Les Miles did. Um, but he is a good football coach. So bank on that. Yeah. I, I mean, I was thinking about it today, thinking through, you know, we were going to come on tonight and I was like, I feel like I don't, I may be missing a coach in here somewhere, but like, 
you know, Kansas has done the taking a guy who's down on his luck, uh, who maybe succeeded elsewhere and bringing him in, trying to say, hey, this is a big name. But guys who may already suck, like Charlie Weiss, that was a complete debacle. Uh, he hadn't been good for years when they brought him in. Uh, Les Miles, kind of kind of a similar thing, you know, guy on the downswing of his career. I, w- I applaud them for going and getting, like you said, maybe unsexy, but a guy who's kind of ascending and, and hopefully he can bring some of that energy. I know he brought over like every single player from Buffalo in the transfer portal or something too. So maybe he can keep some continuity there and do something interesting for Kansas. I would like to see that. Um, all right. Really interesting. Hits home. The SEC has brought in the spread air raid, whatever you want to call it, Baylor offense from Josh Heupel. Can this thing work? It worked at Missouri for like a year and got Drew Locke drafted. Um, how are they gonna how are they gonna win in the SEC East at least? I, I don't think you're gonna know until we figure out what is gonna happen with what the NCAA is going to do with the sanctions that will come down on Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever they do come down. Josh Heupel has a trigger in his contract that adds another year if they get sanctioned by the NCAA. That is how serious it is taken by Josh Heupel's representation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some people around Tennessee, what's going to happen? People are not very optimistic about what is going to happen. Um, that's off the field. That's going to affect the players that you can get and the players that you can keep. Um, you know, it, as far as what they're going to look like on the field, I mean, it's it, if if Josh wants to do what Josh did at UCF, it is a very, very radical departure <laughs> from what they've been doing in Tennessee the last couple of years. And I... I I don't want to say they were building a bully at Tennessee. They they wanted to build a bully at Tennessee. I don't know. I, you know, I don't think they got to a point where they were actually doing that or, or you know, successfully. How many people but, can you bully with Jarek Garantano at quarterback? Though? Sure. <laughs> um, but the, the intention was there. And yeah. when I say that to say, if the intention is there, you have a, a group of guys, players, on offense that are not necessarily suited to do what it is Josh Heupel wants to do. So yeah, I have a lot of questions about Tennessee. I do love Jalen Hyatt. I think he's a very uh, fun talent, very, very fast kid who could do something interesting in the vertical game there uh, wide out. But I don't know if they have a quarterback that can get anybody the ball. I mean, Hinton Hooker is like basically a running back. Um, so I don't know. And Bailey, it's weird that they haven't kind of just like said he's the quarterback. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, in that depth chart. And then South Carolina brings in Shane Beamer, I believe, uh, who was either quarterback's coach or assistant at, at Oklahoma. He wasn't their official OC. He was, uh, no, he's a special teams coordinator. And okay. uh, I think tight ends coach. And so what are we going to do? What are we going to see with Shane Beamer? What do you think uh, that South Carolina offense is going to look like? Well, I think that the thing is with a with guys who are special teams coaches, I think special teams coaches are very interesting um head coach candidates. Uh, I think that when you are a special teams coach, you understand a roster in a fundamentally different way than an offensive or defensive coordinator. You have to know what basically everybody on that team can do athletically because you have to know who you want to use as punt gunner or kickoff coverage guy or returner or whatever. You have to understand the athletic skill sets of the players that you have in a fundamentally different way than um than other coaches on the staff so through that i think there is something to be said for a program program development 
um, talent development and talent deployment by a guy who is a special teams coach, John Harbaugh in the NFL, special mm -hmm. teams coach for a long time. Bill Belichick, there's a reason why Bill Belichick places such a premium on special teams. There's a reason why Urban Meyer placed in places such a premium on special teams. Those are places where you can get guy unearthed gems that can help your football team get to the next level. Now, I don't know, I don't know if Shane Beamer is that guy. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I think that's what we are going to see at a program like South Carolina. You have to unearth gems. gems. Mm -hmm. um, the run of Clowney, Lattimore, uh, Stefan Gilmore, Melvin Ingram, those guys are not walking through that door anymore. Not only was it a pretty generational run of talent produced by the state of South Carolina, Clemson sucked when they yeah. got those guys. So there's a couple different things that the, the state of play is fundamentally different in 2021 than it is, than it was in 2011. So Shane Beamer is going to have to contend with that. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. I think they're an interesting study in the sec East of, of what could be done, what can be done um, when you look outside the box for, for slightly outside the box for a head coaching candidate. Yeah, I really like that. I, I know you brought up, uh, you know, John Harbaugh in Baltimore. I I really like that idea of the special teams coach as a head coach because I think it's nice to be that overseer, kind of looking at the whole thing, not focused. You know, we always just think like, oh, he's a great OC, he's going to be a great head coach, but no, he maybe is a good OC. Like, I think that special team coach has a little bit more of that CEO mentality, possibly, and then you know that's good for you as a head coach as well. Um. The college football game that you love so much, that I love so much, I feel like we're at a very interesting and potentially explosive point of growth. There's a lot coming down the line. Of course, most recently, we're hearing about this 12-team playoff. Um, two weeks from now, the NLI kind of starts Jan uh, July 1, uh, and there's some interesting things that are happening with, with that already. And then, of course, my personal favorite, we get to play the EA Sports video game, hopefully in a year or two. How will all this affect college football popularity, maybe in the Northeast, maybe in a more national way instead of such a regional way? Uh, do you think the stars are, are stars, Trevor Lawrence's, the next Trevor Lawrence? Can they become known more nationally? And, and can this game actually take a step up, you know, at least not to get to NFL level, but, you know, trending in that way, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, I... I to an extent, I think people may need to sort of live with the fact that the sport is what it is and as far as being intensely regional. Mm -hmm. I don't think a 12-team playoff is going to give us a national champion that's out of the 20-odd programs that you can name off the top of your head who can probably win a national championship year in and year out. Um, I do think it will give uh, – Obviously, it will give opportunity to a group of five teams. I think you'll see a group of five team who comes in ranked number 11 and get number six or number seven in a uh, in, in a first round game. I do think that's going to happen. Um, but as far as not like, I don't know, like I don't I don't really care, honestly, about that. I, I like I, I the sport is not dying. Um, I, I know, no. that, you know, it's it's not what college basketball is um there are still you know household names there are still that it's still football it's the united states of america it's football <laughs> man people are gonna watch it um and and you know that's one of the things that i don't i don't buy that uh that the sports dying or it's on its last legs i do think the playoff needed to expand i think it's a good thing that it is going to expand fairly soon um as far as nli goes 
NLI will happen. It's the NCAA's fault that um, that they are being feet held to the fire here uh, as far as this July 1st sort of floodgates opening where multiple states uh, NLI laws uh, uh, kick in. That is the NCAA's fault. They have nobody to blame but themselves for that. Um, and and so, but I, I do think the NLI future is, it, it should be the present. It should have been the present 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it deserves to happen. It should have happened, like I said, 30 years ago, but it's happening now. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think that the NLI is less important for Trevor Lawrence than it is Trevor Lawrence's backup. Why can't Trevor Lawrence's backup quarterback make TikToks and make money off his TikToks? Like, yeah. why not? Why can't a volleyball player go on Instagram? Why can't a swimmer go on, on and make cooking Instagrams or, you know, why can't somebody model for Fashion Nova? Why can't somebody make, uh, you know, rap songs and get money for that? Like, why not? It doesn't yeah. make any sense for these uh, athletes, men and women, to not capitalize on their fame when, when they are at their most marketable, probably ever, because as the NCAA loves to say, so many will go pro in something other than sports. <laughs> so why can't they monetize the fame now? This is America. College sports are the only thing we tell you, you can't be exploited and can't exploit yourself and can't proselytize yourself. You can be exploited. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it, it, it's, yeah. it's the only industry in America that we don't let people just make money off of their likeness. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And if somebody in the band can make a $500 stipend for playing on the sidelines during the game, an athlete should be able to as well. Yeah. Well, I think you make a good point too. Maybe it's not the Trevor Lawrence's of the world that are going to, you know, uh, see a lot, but I, I think it was, uh, some other podcast I was listening to, um, talking about like, yeah, the, the volleyball player who, who wants to get a spot at a local car dealership to do a promo or something like that in, you know, in their small college town that everyone thinks they're great or something like that. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. that's the kind of thing that we're going to see. And you're exactly right about, you know, that volleyball player may never do anything in volleyball afterwards. Um, she may go to but, dental school. Like, cool. Yeah. She'll be a productive member of society and a great yeah. dentist. But she's never going to have her, you know, volleyball starting line. Yeah. Like, you're never going to have that again. Yeah, that moment where you're you're even of a small town celebrity, but uh, you know you should be able to to use that. So I'm yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm for it. Uh, and I didn't, I, you know, I I just focused so much on football, but I thought it was a great point that like a lot of these smaller, uh, you know or smaller sports that don't get, you know, the same pomp and circumstances as football can, you know, be affected by this in a good way, I hope. So, um, well, we kind of hit the 30 minute mark. I don't like to keep my guests too long, but uh, what else are you working on? I love the split zone duo. Anybody who's listening to this podcast, you've got to subscribe to that one. Um, him and Alex Kirshner, uh, sometimes Stephen Godfrey shows up and it is a raucous good time. I love the way they think and see the game that we love to play fantasy, but they th they see it uh, in such a nice narrative storytelling way. I love how they talk about the game. Uh, but what else are you doing other than Split Zone Duo? Yeah, I uh, so Split Zone Duo is the biggie, uh, but I got some things cooking for closer to the season. As we get closer to the season, hopefully that those things sort of come to fruition. I can't wait to to announce those things. Uh, but Split Zone Duo is the main place you can find me every week, just about every week, and our Patreon as well. Split Zone Duo uh, 
we got a little Patreon arm that uh, you can subscribe for any amount from five to fifty dollars a month. Uh, you get bonus content from the show, and uh, it's something that we love to produce and, and love to give people a little extra. So yeah, besides that, that that's uh, that's the thing I could talk about for now. Um, but uh, fun stuff coming as the football season goes on. It, it's funny, you know, you don't start really having conversations about the football season with ad guys and and sellers and that sort of stuff until you know July August. So mm-hmm. as things start to kick up, um, you know, it, it, it's it's funny to to sort of have things that are coming and and things that you sort of talked about loosely for the last few months and and just sort of sitting on it and, and waiting on it to to come to fruition so you can so you can finally talk about it. Yeah, well, enjoy that grill for the next couple of weeks before things really kick up. And uh, at RJ Wrights, I believe. At RJ, at RJ underscore Wrights, uh, W-R-I-T-E-S, on Twitter as well. That's where you yeah, can find Yeah, and follow me. him on Twitter. Um, but yeah, man, thanks for coming on. And this was a blast. I love hearing your thoughts about this game. I think you uh, and Alex, you know, on that show, I just like how you how you see the game. It, it's, it's a really unique uh, brand of uh, perspective. So appreciate it. And we'll see y'all next time.